All right, well, we're back for a second straight morning. Not evening, morning, because uh, got got to the podcast a little bit earlier this eve- this morning, uh, Matthew Fairburn. We're, we're an hour earlier. Yeah. Well, I think I, hour. I, yeah, 20, some change. Um, recording this starting at 12.52 on Saturday, April 27th. The Bills, of course, going through uh, day two of the draft, coming away with three selections. They originally only had two. Brandon Bean, as uh, we saw it coming, because he had all those picks in his back pocket, and you know, they were basically burning a hole in his pocket. Um, he moved up twice, once to get Cody Ford at 38th overall. He stood pat to take Devin Singletary, the running back out of Florida Atlantic, and then moved back into the uh, into the third round to pick up tight end Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss. And in this uh, in this edition of the podcast, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but wanted to go over how these guys impact the roster as it stands today. Um, because I think that's really where the second day becomes interesting because it's not guaranteed that they're going to start right away. Like Ed Oliver is going to be a starter and we, and we know that, um, over Jordan Phillips. But once you get into Cody Ford and where he settles in, same thing with Devin Singletary, same thing with Dawson Knox, it gets a little bit more interesting, but, um, on the whole, I, I felt, uh, I felt like they had a fairly solid day, and I know Bills fans really wanted a wide receiver. That was uh, that was the big thing for them. But uh, I've kind of had this feeling all along. They, they've just got so many receivers that they have that they want to see out in 2019. That I don't think they were going to force it. I, I'm sure if one of value was there, they were going to take one. But I didn't think that they went into into this draft thinking to themselves, "We've got to come away with a wide receiver or bust." Um, so the fact that you know, getting an offensive lineman, I think, was a great piece for them. Um, and then the running back, they added they added youth to it. And then tight end, they they rounded out the room because they really didn't have a, sec- a second guy just yet. So I, I know the, the third round fans weren't as crazy about, but I, I really didn't have a problem with it, if I'm honest. I think tonight was about as big a vote of confidence as you're going to get if you're Robert Foster and Zay Jones. Yep. And that's something we said we we're going to see how they really right, feel about the wide receiver room. Because you don't room. know how they feel. I don't think signing John Brown and Cole Beasley meant anything about those two in particular, but signing John Brown, Cole Beasley, and then drafting, you know, DK Metcalf or Hollywood Brown or Debo Samuel, somebody in the top 50 picks would have suggested that they don't feel confident about one or both of Robert Foster and Zay Jones. I I don't know, you know, that they feel for certain that one of those guys is going to develop into a number one or number two, but I think they feel pretty good about the room they have as a whole. They're probably still missing that bigger bodied type receiver, Mm -hmm. but between Tyler Croft, Dawson Knox, the guys they added in free agency, Maybe they feel pretty good about Duke Williams. I don't know. Uh, Possibly, probably yeah. not. He's on a futures deal. Maybe. I mean, he might sneak onto the roster. So they've got – it's more just the group as a whole that I think they probably feel pretty good about, considering they dealt both the fourth-round picks. If you're Robert Foster sitting at home watching the draft, you're thinking, no fifth-round pick. You know, Nobody in five through seven's beating me out. 
And so, well, he I, was a UDFA last year. He was, year. <laughs> but you feel a lot better about that oh, than you do about yeah, totally. Hakeem Butler or somebody, Miles Boykin, walking through the door, well, and what then if, you're you're not feeling too great. But, Hakeem Butler's still there. Yeah, what if what if he's still there? Kelvin Harmon is still there as well. So those guys could legitimately, you know, push. Look at Equinamia St. Brown and yeah, whoever, whoever else fell last year. I mean, it happens. But so Foster's probably feeling pretty good tonight and, yeah. and zay jones probably felt fine anyways because he's a high draft pick he's gonna get every chance to to earn reps and i don't think it's any sort of disaster that they didn't draft a wide receiver no. uh i think offensive line made a ton of sense i think running back i've been saying all along they need to get younger at running back i think i've been saying since early 2017 that they should trade LaShawn McCoy, and, and it's now too late. And, but. and how about this? First time they've drafted a running back since 2016. First time they've drafted a running back in the third round or earlier since 2010. I mean, at, not to say that you should be using substantial picks in the first and second round on running backs, but you would think that somewhere along the line that they, they would be drafting over the last few years even that they would draft a running back but they haven't and they've they've gone the free agent route they they went the trade route with LaShawn McCoy but um quickly before we get into the the running back round let's let's go over Cody Ford because I think um his situation what he brings to the table is fairly interesting one little nugget that Brandon Bean shared was that they were trying to move back into the first round to get him um which which I found quite interesting and uh, very much uh, helped shape their draft because they wouldn't have had the flexibility to go get um, uh, to go get Dawson Knox, I would think, if uh, if that trade went through. So for the Bills, being able to stay where they did and then getting a little bit of luck to go their way um, in the way that the offensive lineman came off the board in that early second and to get Cody Ford, um, that was a solid job by them. I, I really liked Cody Ford when I watched him play. Uh, you know, there's two schools of thought. Either you think he's a right tackle or you think he's a guard. Um, actually, even though he he lacked like that true athleticism the, that you look for in your starting tackles, I actually thought he he made up for it pretty well. He's got that those long arms, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, but be it as it may, even if he doesn't slot in at right tackle as uh, Brandon Bean called position one then he has the flexibility to move inside to guard. And the most important thing of that pick to me is that it solidified a second piece that they've added this offseason. Cody Ford is going to start this year. It's only a matter of where he's going to start. Mitch Morse was was the substantial first piece. He will be the starting center. Where Cody Ford starts, that's that's going to be decided as we go along. But I know a lot of fans out there were, were at least the initial replies to the pick were, Man, they've already spent so they've already done so much along the offensive line. Look at all the guys that they brought in. None of those guys are proven at all. I mean, these are fringe starters to backups. The the most of them, Quentin Spain, Spencer Long, uh, John Feliciano, Ty Insecki, Adrian Waddle. These are all guys that are they are they actually gonna like have a starting role on this team? Now they have one that they know with Cody Ford. Yeah, I'm curious where he'll start. Yeah, uh, and me too. the idea of, I think that's a, an interesting side train of thought I had 
in terms of where he'll start or the idea that he will start because, you know, the whole line of thinking or speaking, I guess, in Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's news conference afterwards was, you know, these guys are going to earn it and, you know, all this stuff that they talk about after every single pick. And that was not the case for a brief moment when the idea of LaShawn McCoy was brought up. Brandon Bean said, he is our starting running back. Let's get that out of the way before before you you even ask the question. He is our starting running back. And it was towards the end of the news conference, so I didn't get a chance to jump in and follow up. But every time, I don't know, it's it's interesting that everybody's got to come in and earn it, but LaShawn McCoy is the starter. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. I don't think it's posturing at this point because he has no value on the trade market. Mm-mm. It's either cut him or, you know, just ride it out with what you have. And, and they can go into the season with what they have at running back. I mean, Marcus Murphy, Keith Ford, and the rugby guy are probably going to be out of the picture. I mean, the rugby guy can be on the... Uh, Same with Sonoris Perry, probably. Probably, unless yeah. he, yeah, carves out some sort of weird special teams role or mm-hmm. or you know Frank Gore or McCoy's hurt or somebody's right. not worth it anymore right. and they cut him right or but they could even walk away from TJ Yeldon if they want to. also true yeah. yeah they probably won't but they could if it, they wanted it to. only cost them 500,000 on the cap so to I walk think away from him you know it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out I just think the idea that LaShawn McCoy is safe and the starter I think it it's it's a problem Quite frankly, I, I, and I don't want to like make more out of it than should be made because he's only got one year left on his deal and he'll be gone before long. But I think the fact that they came out and said that it sounded like they were talking to LaShawn. <laughs> Maybe like, don't worry, LaShawn, you're still the starter. And that is a problem to me because LaShawn McCoy is supposed to be a leader, which I think he failed at miserably last year, to put it bluntly. He, I thought, did a pretty poor job of it. Your captain should not be getting suspended at the end of the year but or benched by your coach. Not flat-out suspended, but benched for a series. That shouldn't happen, for starters. But if you want this guy to be a leader then he should come in and earn his job like everybody else. You shouldn't have to say in April that he's the starter. He should accept the responsibility that he has to come in and earn the job. If anybody was watching NFL Network today, Steve Smith absolutely eviscerated Josh Rosen. I don't know if you saw this. No, I did not. He absolutely took him to the woodshed. And the idea was Josh Rosen should be okay with the fact that they brought in competition man up and don't you know shy away from it it was a little bit over the top on steve smith's part but the kernel of thought being hey they picked this guy number one i'm gonna be okay with it i'm gonna come in and compete they picked a running back in the third round as you mentioned they haven't picked a running back that high since cj 2010 yeah the third round or higher it hasn't they haven't done that since 2010 when they took cj spiller in the first it round. makes you wonder have they been shying away from it because of Lashawn mccoy you know they were giving keith ford reps who should have been the least threatening running back 
they could have given reps to. They did not draft. And he was getting back, salty right. about that last year. They bring in Frank Gore, and he wasn't as celebratory as you would have expected a guy to be when they brought in, you know, one of his close friends. Right. He was all over. I mean, everybody knows he was all over social media today. I'm not a Avengers is what he spoiled. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a. I know you are. I'm not. So I wasn't, you know, pissed off that he ruined something. But I I actually somehow insulated myself to not see it. So. Which is a positive thing. I'm going to go to his Twitter feed right now because before I say that he. Please don't. I want to see what he, uh, if he congratulated or welcomed Devin Singletary because no he did not and did you really expect him to though well that's that's not his they drafted Cody Ford and he was peltering social media with congratulatory he he had I think three tweets about after he was after he sent out about eight tweets ruining Avengers it was (laughs) Cody Ford welcome very excited to have you and E. Wood you look good bro miss you then he tweeted out the picture of Cody Ford and said, Superstars are made in the second round. So happy to have you on the team. Congrats and welcome, Cody Ford. And then he retweeted Nick Filipowski with a quote of Cody Ford. So that's three Cody Ford tweets in a span of an hour. Yet he couldn't be bothered to welcome Devin Singletary. It's very small. And that, that just speaks to, I think, personally, who he is as a guy in that locker room. And if it's going to be weird, if it's going to be a problem that this guy who seems by all accounts to be an amazing guy, Devin Singletary, who they brought in, how he is as a prospect, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't studied him closely or anything. But if it's going to be a problem that they bring this guy along, Frank Gore is plenty good as a leader. He's yeah. probably the ideal mentor. I don't know. I'd, I would probably I would probably release LaShawn McCoy tomorrow, Give save the $6 million, and give my, you know, save myself the headache. And I again would like to preface this by saying I am not an Avengers fan, so this is not born out <laughs> of that. This is I've thought this for a while that he's not worth the headache and that they should move on. Well, you know what? And, and I know that was a side tangent. No, on a Cody Ford pick, but yeah, no, absolutely. And this is where the conversation was going because we were going to get to Devin Singletary and how this all kind of works together. But uh, what you just stumbled upon, or maybe not even stumbled upon, because I know you have been. I've been thinking about this for a long time. It is quite interesting that when, whenever there is the littlest bit of competition to him, he kind of does this sort of thing. Um, and I don't know that uh, it's necessarily going over all that well in his mind that uh, the guy that they just brought in in the third round, 21 years old, he plays the game a lot like LaShawn McCoy does. I mean, when you when you watch him out there, uh, he doesn't have the speed that LaShawn did coming out, and and he's not as big as LaShawn. But I mean, the the jump cuts, the making people miss. Um, the one thing he does that LaShawn McCoy doesn't do is he fights through contact, which McCoy has never done in his career. And he's uh, he's done all his damage uh, before by avoiding hits. And maybe that's that's a microcosm for LaShawn McCoy. Avoiding hits at all costs. And because this, this is a potential ding to him. Because this is a potential player that the Bills felt strongly enough to draft in the third round to, you know, push aside the need for maybe another offensive lineman or a defensive end or a cornerback or a tight end. 
in their mind, they thought there was no one else on the board that they think could make an impact on their roster besides this guy. And if there's any sort of uh, sort of uh, fear in LaShawn McCoy's mind, maybe that's just uh, he just kind of shuts down. And it's it's kind of interesting that that's his running style too, isn't it? I mean, well, is, is last, that too much of a leap? Last year was a problem in terms of his lack of urgency hitting the hole was noticeable and he didn't want to take a hit and i imagine it was noticeable to the coaching staff and the front office and it should have been noticeable to his teammates because they watch film every monday and that's your captain not hitting holes with urgency and then what is his first instinct in the off season is to go on twitter and instagram and throw his offensive line under the bus. Everybody <laughs> knows that the offensive line sucked last year. Yeah, We're allowed to say that. Those guys aren't our teammates. Like, we're not their captain. You're a captain. You're, some, you're an adult. You're 30 years old. And you're going on Instagram begging for, oh, I need one of these, these offensive linemen. And you're going on social media and you know celebrating this offensive lineman pick, but oh, I'm sure I'm sure Lashawn McCoy was tucked into bed by the time Devin Singletary got picked. That must have been why he he put his phone away. I mean, he was on Twitter all day. Mm-hmm. He had something to say about every other goddamn thing today, including that movie. But he, you know, suspiciously quiet. And go back and look. He wasn't all that fired up that Frank Gore got signed. All the pictures of Frank Gore are from when they trained before he got signed. Is Frank Gore a threat? The guy's 35. 35. And a friend of yours. It's strange. It's Again, it's small. It is small thinking. I think he sees the writing on the wall because, I mean, where Brian Dable comes from, it's New England, and they were very much backfield by committee however you shake it. And LaShawn McCoy, his entire career, has been getting told, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. And it's been backed up by carries after carries after carries. And until 2018, it was all well and good because he was still performing at a high level. Last year, he did not. The offensive line was not good in front of him. He didn't do them any favors. He really didn't. There were a couple of plays that he broke, but he did not look like the LaShawn McCoy of 2017 even at any point in the season other than the win in New York over the Jets. That was it. And I guarantee the Bills saw that. It's hard to not see that. And so it's in their best interest to bring in other players that can help keep him more fresh to where you can start to see that version of LaShawn McCoy in that Jets game a little bit more often because you're putting less mileage on him. Furthermore, besides that, Frank Gore can still play, and he knows it. And so that is a threat to take him off the field. And LaShawn McCoy is not under contract in 2020. If, I mean... I understand that he wants to play for as long as he wants to play, but it's also the matter of the NFL where the Bills need to have a backup plan or some semblance of plan for after 2019, and that's partially what Devin Singletary is. Did he congratulate TJ Yeldon at all? No. 
He did not congratulate TJ Yeldon, former second not, round pick. I don't see a ton of. And I don't want to make pretty inactive during free agency in general, but it, it stuck out to me that he was all about the Cody Ford thing, and he's been all about the O line stuff. And look, I'm not saying, you know, again, I'm not going to analyze every sure, tweet right, or whatever. Yeah. It, that stuff aside, I'm also not it's just saying. Curious. I'm also not saying they picked Devin Singletary as some sort of shot at LaShawn or that it means they're going to move on from from him because I'm still not convinced that they're going to do it. All I'm saying is that the fact that they had to come out and say LaShawn is the starter, nobody else has gotten that treatment. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, Josh Allen has gotten the He's the starter going into the offseason. He had to earn it last year. Tremaine Edmonds had to earn it. They wouldn't even say that Tredavious White was the starter, even though he was running with the first team for basically from the moment yeah. he got a Bills helmet. Yep. And same they thing, didn't say he was a Tremaine, starter yeah. until the end of August, Yeah. if not later. They're but, probably going to do the same thing with that Oliver as well. But they have to go out of their way to say that LaShawn McCoy is a starter, and that's a LaShawn McCoy ego thing. And they did not bring LaShawn McCoy into this locker room. I don't know if they would have if given the chance. A lot of this comes down to, to me, my personal thinking that the running back position is not all that important and not nearly worth what this guy brings in terms of headaches and not nearly worth what he brings in terms of dollar figures. And I agree with Brandon Bean when he said at the beginning of the offseason, we don't need to cut him because we don't need the money in 2019. Mm -hmm. But $6 million is $6 million. Guys become available. We've talked about various potential trades that pop up. Those are all a lot easier to swallow with a little extra wiggle room. And $6 million, I don't think this team is any different if you cut LaShawn McCoy tomorrow. Well, I think counterpoint to that is um, in their past, they have very much depended on veteran-laden backfields. And I don't know that they necessarily want to put so much on, let's say, Devin Singletary. Yeldon and Gore, though. Right. No, I understand. Um, But Yeldon also was fairly ineffective. In in his last as season, Lashawn McCoy. Well, yes, but be it as it may, Lashawn McCoy at least has the the history of being a a producer. I think in their mind they don't want to put so much on Devin Singletary's plate because they probably think he has a future. Um, I also don't think they. You're probably right because I also don't think coming into the weekend they thought we're going to have Devin Singletary. Right. Uh, he was there, he was sticking out on the board exactly. and Brandon Bean went best player and that's what they did. So they're probably not sitting there thinking this is the successor because they're now thinking, oh crap, our running back room is pretty crowded. So furthermore, I mean, because they they now have Singletary, they now have a future plan if he will if he's going to develop into a starter. We don't know that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But with McCoy, they at least have a here and now and Frank Gore is not an every down runner. They know that. He's a he's a complimentary piece and and he was really good in a complimentary piece last year for Miami. LaShawn McCoy needs to be a complimentary piece. They're probably going to make him into that. And even if he gets the first carry, if if he gets 12 to 15 carries, that's probably his maximum output. And then you mix in some Singletary, if Yeldon figures in, who knows, but um, I think that's their thinking. I think they want a three-headed running back system. And 
in their minds, McCoy, as long as he's managed, is is semi-worth the headache uh, if he shows he can play. But if he shows that he is unable to play, I don't think they would have a problem with cutting him at some point. I really don't. But we're not at that point just yet. He, we, yet. we haven't seen him on the field. We haven't seen how he's going to react. We well, haven't I'm seen at it. that point. They're well, not yes. at that point. We're, they're not, I don't think they're quite clo- as close to that yes. point as some people think they are. Yeah, and Singletary, uh, we... They have to see how he adapts because he's coming from a small school. He had a really poor offensive line in front of him. And so there's 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 all this evidence that stacks up that says LaShawn McCoy is going to be here through the summer, likely into the regular season. But if he becomes a headache because he's not getting touches, cut his ass. That's It's that simple. And because they really they have nothing to lose at that point. What If he becomes a headache in the locker room because he's not getting the touches that he wants, then cutting him that gains something because that's sending a statement to to the rest of the team going this guy thought he was invincible he's not invincible you you can't undermine us so i mean this is all going down the rabbit hole of what could be if he's not a productive player in 2019 everything like that but it all leads to the point he's not going anywhere anytime soon and this is their try to manage that with him even though they shouldn't have to. I think you're absolutely right with that. A few points I'll make before we table this, and I don't want to you know, make it all about LaShawn McCoy. But th- that was but, the biggest topic of the night, he no is, doubt. Yeah, he is a topic of discussion. The first thing I'll say is I'm reminded of a conversation we had after a game early in 2017 where LaShawn McCoy still looked like Sean, LaShawn McCoy. And I remember a podcast, I don't remember which one, but we were discussing whether he would be a Hall of Famer. And at the time, we both seemed to agree he was on that track. No longer. He's well off the rails. Yeah. And that was a big thing for him. Still is a big thing for him. And it's not happening in a four-way running back committee. Mm -mm. He's not going to get the numbers, and... That cannot be even the smallest kernel of thought for this team, this coaching staff, Brian Dable, anybody. LaShawn McCoy's numbers don't matter at all. And they matter to him a great deal. And whether he's swallowed that, I doubt he has, quite frankly, because Mm -hmm. he talks about it all the time. I'm also reminded this conversation we're having reminds me in some ways of the very early Kelvin Benjamin conversations we were having. True. When we were saying, well, maybe they should try to trade him. It it started with the trade. It always starts with the trade. Oh, they should try to trade this guy. This guy that's doing nothing and is causing headaches. They should try to trade him. Teams around the league look and say, that guy's doing nothing and seems to be causing headaches. Why would we want him? So there's no value there. And over time, it becomes, to your point, if you kick the can down the road and you draw it out a little bit, you say, all right, he's not going to be worth it if he's causing problems. He's not causing problems yet. No. Although, you know what? He caused problems. I think it's fair to say he is causing problems. He caused problems last year. Brandon Bean had to come out publicly and say that he doesn't want LaShawn McCoy handling stuff on social media the way he was, complaining about the O-line and everything else. And... They had to come out and t- 
tell him it's okay, you're the starter. Not to mention everything he was dealing with off the field. Which brings me to my third point. I wonder if it's even the smallest thought in their mind this weekend with everything that's gone on with Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid thought that situation was okay, that the Mm -hmm. fire had been put out. Mm -hmm. They did their research. Everything was okay. And then the audio came out last night. And they had to put out a statement. And now it's looking like they've suspended him indefinitely, and it's looking like eventually they'll cut him. Yeah. And they, the the statement said, we found out about this audio. Basically, the TV station was able to get a hold of the audio before the Chiefs were. Doesn't make them look very good. Now, I am not saying that LaShawn McCoy's situation and Tyree Kills are the exact same. Obviously, the cases are two completely different things. But LaShawn McCoy still does have open cases, civil cases against him. And at any moment, new evidence could arise. Mm -hmm. And you have to feel pretty confident. As we said last year around, you know, the start of training camp when they publicly defended him, you've got to be pretty confident. And the Chiefs were pretty confident. And that can blow up on you pretty quick. And so... All that just to say that situations like that, I think, probably make everybody in the NFL a little more on alert. Now, I say that the Chiefs, while they were dealing with all that, traded for Frank Clark. So, I, <laughs> and then maybe and then, it doesn't make everybody on high alert. And but. then when asked uh, about Tyreek Hill, the fr- I think the first they said we're going to stick time. to the statement. This is Frank's day. Yeah, this is Frank's day. All right, we're going to table this conversation cool. on that. That one domestic abuser, and we'll talk about this domestic abuser that you want to focus this day on. Allegedly. Which, well, yeah. With Frank Allegedly, Clark. yeah. He yeah. pleaded down to a smaller yeah. charge, but woof. Yeah, go poli- read, Go read report. that police report. Yeah, it was bad. If you've got the stomach for it. Anyways, I, don't, I just wonder if that factors in at all when you think about these things, because he does have a lingering off-field issue that looked ugly for a time. And so... I think it does. I, I think it plays into it at least. It's all a part of the big conversation yes. surrounding LaShawn McCoy, which leads me to think, because we just had this long conversation about a guy who we don't think is very good anymore and is overpaid, mm-hmm. which didn't factor in any of that stuff. He's and also does, a pain in the ass in the locker room. Yeah, does times. does not. I mean, he is a bit of a Pied Piper. In, in the locker room. Like, sure. Like when he, it's convenient. Well, right. That's what I mean. But when he's in the locker room, it's like the eyes go to him. Which is good and bad. Exactly. Exactly. I thought it was bad for Sammy Watkins when Sammy Watkins was here, to be honest. But Sammy, at least, you know, had, I think Sammy had his teammates' best interests in mind. Oh, yeah. I, that, I don't. I, I just mean that's to the think that him. Sammy Watkins, this young, impressionable guy, True, walks into right. the room, and that's the first guy he's looking at. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I see what you mean. But with LaShawn, it's, you, have, you just have to determine when the headache becomes greater than the player you have. And we're getting close to that point. We are. The Bills don't think that we're there yet. I think they probably looked at last year's film and went, man, that right side of the line, that center to to right tackle, that was bad last year. 
And it, I will say, it did uh, bring on a lot of times where LaShawn McCoy just didn't have anything. But there were so many times he didn't do himself any, do himself any favors. He shielded himself from contact. And he's done that a lot, but that quickness that he had to shield himself from contact before and gaining yardage, that wasn't there all that much last year either. So the Bills just have to look at themselves and say, is the headache just like a weighted scale here? You know those those things where 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 you, where you put one cell phone on on one of those little. Um, on one of those little circle things, and and one on the other. Which which I way don't does know it go? What the hell you're talking? About. <laughs> it, you know the 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 thing the thing with the base and the long skinny thing, and then and then you have like the two little. Uh... Folks, I believe we've lost Joe. I believe. No, you know what? A weighted a weighted scale. I don't know what he's talking about. You do know what I'm talking about. I'm I'm gonna get you a picture. Weighted scale. Weighted I know scale. what a scale is, but you're talking about cell phones. Oh, I know. I, it's because I have two cell phones here. Like one of these things. Okay. A, a, well, little, yeah, a little a scale. balance scale. Yes, a balance. Yes, a balance. Sorry, I didn't use the word balance. The cell phones threw me off. Yeah, it threw me off, too. I don't know where I was going with that. It is 1.25 in the morning, and I didn't leave here till 4 yesterday. Anyway, when the, the pain in the ass side of the balance just goes down further than the production side and the added value side, that's when they need to get them out of here. It but, did that last year, but there were other factors yes, involved. And we right could now, very well, there could be people sending us this podcast six months from now. Six months? Yeah, six months from now. LaShawn McCoy could be playing great. Yeah, exactly. I I thought at the beginning of the 2017 season that they should trade him. And I believe I wrote about it. It's yes, probably you did. out there on the internet somewhere. And people could laugh at it. But my point was, because they were trading everybody at the time, that his value was never going to be higher. It was only going down. Mm-hmm. And, yes, they made the playoffs, and maybe they don't make the playoffs with LaShawn, without LaShawn McCoy. That's probably a, a safe thing to say, and so it's probably worth it that they kept him. But the point was that you're not building the team to win in 2017, and he's not really doing you any favors. And by the time... You build it with a quarterback. By the time the quarterback's hitting his stride, LaShawn McCoy's not going to be any good anymore anyways. So, yep. And we're sort of seeing the realization of that. You know, the quarterback's supposed to be hitting his stride this year, and you can't really count on LaShawn McCoy at 31 years old to be anything close to what he used to be. And so I think it's put-up-or-shut-up time for yes, him big time because going back to Cody Ford, that guy can block in yeah. the running game. And so you've got you're going to have some combination of presumably Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, Deion Dawkins, Ty Seke, Wyatt wait, Teller, wait. No, no, Quentin no. Spain, maybe not Ty Seke. Maybe not. I'm saying some right. combination oh, sure. of these this smorgasbord of linemen that they've brought in. Now, the money they're paying Ty Seke suggests that he should be in the lineup somewhere. But Yeah. That means that either Deion Dawkins or Cody Ford is either playing guard or sitting. Mm-hmm. Cody Ford is probably best on the right side. Yes. They've said, they've sort of hinted that Ty Seke would be a right side guy, but I think that was just to shield Deion Dawkins because Ty Seke has actually been at his best on the left side. 
Deion Dawkins probably you would say was been at his best at inside mm-hmm. when he you know played a little bit of that in college. So I don't know. I, the combination will be fascinating, and the handling of that will be fascinating because you've got to get start getting these guys reps at some yep, point. Exactly. Because you're talking about making position changes for some of these guys. So either way, though, I think you're going to have a pretty nasty run blocking unit potentially. Yeah. And then it's no more excuses for LaShawn McCoy. So that's why that balance I was talking about, forget the cell phones. I'm sorry about the cell phones. That balance, as long as it stays at least even, he'll be here. If it ever dips to where pain in the ass goes to the floor and... It has to reach uh, sort of Calvin Benjamin points where it's noticeable in the room that Mm -hmm. he's not really you know acting acting accordingly i mean i don't know if he's going to be voted a captain this year he he probably will by default he probably will for yeah. posterity's sake because yeah. how do you vote him a captain one year and then not the next but oh and he would he would have such a fit if he wasn't a captain again next year which is probably why he shouldn't be a captain <laughs> that's or on your team a, at all to that's, begin a, with. that's, that's a probably all right all right anyhow. yeah we we've devoted a lot of time to LaShawn McCoy, and I'm sure there will be many more minutes devoted to him moving for, forward. Um, quickly, Dawson Knox, the other third-round selection. Um, of the three selections today, I think the most ho-hum, just because you see these guys get drafted in this realm every single year. Um, developmental, athletic uh, type of type of tight ends that you hope turn into something for you. I mean, he's a really good blocker already, had a low amount of production at, at Ole Miss because um, they were throwing the ball a lot to their receivers, and they have a lot of talented players there. Uh, I think it, as their other one, I think his name is Demarcus Lodge, as long as he gets drafted, they'll have three receivers drafted and a tight end drafted this year. Um, so, you know, I think... He had a low production, like I said, but he shows a bunch of traits that teams really like and the prototypical measurements, all that. Long story short, he slots in as the complementary, um, probably tight end two to Tyler Croft, who will get the chance to start for 2019 at least while Knox kind of develops. But at least he, he just rounds out the, the tight end room right now. And, he, and Knox will probably give you some reps on special teams too. No touchdowns. No it's touchdowns. Kind of, uh, funny, but you play with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown yeah, and Demarcus I'm, Lodge. I'm not all that concerned with it. They I, have a really good freshman receiver who I can't remember his name. See if you can develop him. If not, I mean, we see we see tight ends in this realm all the time. It's they go one way or the other. They either they either improve, but I think on the good side, he has the the side of the position of blocking in his favor, which means he'll probably last because that's the toughest part to teach, I think, for, for tight ends. At, at least the athletic sort of tight ends that like Dawson Knox. So if he's got that part to it, and he's got to become a little bit more consistent as a run blocker, certainly, but as as long as he's got that part of it down, then I think, uh, I think he'll at least be able to get on the field this year. Um, will he ever turn into, let's say, uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle? That's that's probably a bit lofty, but a serviceable um, starting tight end that would probably be the uh, the ceiling for him. And 
Uh, we'll see if they could do it. We haven't seen them try to develop a tight end yet. It, it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in a long time. The last time they took a tight end in the third round or earlier was was Kevin Everett in 2005. So it's it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, they've had not a good history at that position. How about uh, how about this course of time? How about this stat? Since 1980, the earliest they have taken tight ends. I have to find it. Um, 12th overall, Tony Hunter, 1983. 61st overall, Lonnie Johnson, 1994. 67th. Great Lonnie Johnson story. I don't think you were back in the area where we were discussing this. But Uh Lonnie Johnson, um, a Kentucky cornerback, got drafted. Yes. And Sal Majorana, I think it was Sal Majorana, was the one who brought it. Well, and Jay Skirsky. uh, We were discussing... You may remember this play. I certainly didn't. It was Steve Tasker's last game. Yes, Green uh, Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Lonnie Johnson got rocked by Darren Sharper, um, which, you know, as you look back and concussions and everything else, uh, big hits get a little bit scarier. But this is a pretty entertaining hit because Lonnie Johnson, I think it was a fake punt. Mm-hmm. He catches the ball, and he's running. He does not think anybody's in front of him. And so he's looking back, like seeing who the closest defender is. And as he's looking back, somehow when he looked forward, he didn't see Darren Sharper, who just one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. We were watching it today. First time I've ever seen it. So it's kind of funny that his name. And then Tasker got thrown out in his final game. Tasker, I think, might have already been thrown out at the point when Lonnie Johnson uh, got smoked by Darren Sharper. Either way. Um, So, yes, Lonnie Johnson has been was the second highest drafted tight end by the Bills since 1980. Third was Mark Brammer in 1980-67. Kevin Everett was 86th overall in 2005. Trey Junkin was former long snapper, I believe, Trey Junkin. Um, 93rd overall in 1983. And then Dawson Knox, 96th overall in 2019. A little sad. So we have Brandon Bean's second draft class, and I like to think that there are habits and things that we pick up on the more we see him draft. I get jealous of these teams that have had a general manager for however, you know, seven, eight years, and you've got this huge sample size of prospects. You can easily whittle down the measurements. You can kind of piece it together with Carolina, but. Except those that cover the Patriots. They have no idea what, what Belichick's doing. Oh, yeah, doing he goes all over the things. map. I'm yeah. thinking of, you know, like the Vikings right. and, you know, teams that have had these general managers in place for a while. And, you know, obviously we've got data from Carolina, but those weren't truly all Brandon Bean's picks. So it's hard to figure out exactly the athletic profiles, everything else. But something I'm picking up on with Brandon Bean, or a couple of somethings, one is that I think, and we've talked about this, a reliance on the film and the the live scouting. uh, You know, I did that story in the fall when, you know, they talked about how important that, you know, watching guys live was. And he's brought up, you know, the film a lot. As opposed to, there are teams that will narrow down things by the numbers and give themselves a better chance to at basically what is guesswork in mm-hmm. the draft anyways. Devin Singletary is not a favorite in the metrics community. Because no, of not. his combine, he does not have a high-end athletic profile. But the first thing Brandon Beam brought up was that this guy's the most fun to watch on tape of anybody I watched in this class. Mm-hmm. 
Also, let's not forget he said when he signed Frank Gore that he just loved watching the guy play. Now, you know, that's more of an emotional response that you're picking with than an analytical one. And it's also the only thing he's offering up to the public. Sure. Yeah. But he is a little more honest than most. Yeah, I'd say so. He does hide things, and he's good at playing poker, but, you know... The fact of the matter is, Devin Singletary has a bad athletic profile, and he has fun tape. You know, you know who he relates to on Mock Draftable, who, who popped up? 69.2% match. Dion Lewis. Which is kind of a interesting one. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the guys he matches up yeah, with, I don't not even know who the hell they are. Yeah, not Most idea. of them. Some of them are from this year. but So there's that. Because and I bring that up because they saw Dawson Dawson Knox is another one that you're just projecting, and the first thing he brought up is that he saw him live, which was the day that I was with he and Joe Shane as they saw Ole Miss South Carolina and Bama LSU. The and he talked about being down there on the field before the game and seeing him in warmups and you know seeing how he moved around and his athletic build and all that. So. That is a huge part for them. That It's a bit old school. It's not totally old school, but a little bit. There's some old school tendencies there, which I think still fit in with modern football scouting. I think there is still having an eye for things is important. Seeing these guys live, they saw Cody Ford live. I know Brandon Bean saw Cody Ford and Dawson Knox live. I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume he saw Ed Oliver live mm-hmm. at some point, but I don't know that for sure. Um, Singletary might be a little bit more of a long shot that he saw him live because I don't know when he would have gotten to FAU. FAU yeah. But so there's that's a that's a nice little trip to Boca Raton though. That's not bad, and you never know. You know, some of them are random, like you know the reasons why he'll see a game. But for the most part, they're seeing mm-hmm. a game with intention. And something Joe Shane said, or Brandon might have said it too that that day was, we feel a lot better picking a guy in the first four rounds if one of us has seen him live. Mm-hmm. And so that stuck in my brain because the whole pre-draft process, I'm trying to rack my brain of who they saw live because that narrows it down. Not a significant amount. Even that day, they saw 30 guys. But that's one thing. And the other thing is the whole trading up thing. Oh, yeah. And they love it. He's a getting disciple. Trading up from 40 to 38, I thought, was a little bit silly. Uh, I know they only gave up a fifth-round pick. I don't think it was a bad move, but it's more the thinking behind it. The we have to have Cody Ford, and we can't just have Dalton Reisner. That uh, they were trying to move up in the first round to get Cody Ford, right? Which probably, I mean, I, I one of the quotes I found interesting from Brandon Bean was, I think. Sal Mayorana asked him, "Ah, you just you just had to make all those moves, right?" Yeah, and, and he said, "He said I was so exhausted after after the first one because we were trying so hard to get Cody Ford, which probably means he was calling every single team to see how much it would take to get Cody Ford." But then in that same quote, he mentioned uh, about Dawson Knox that he saw the tight end run and he started to get a little nervous. Yeah, he mentioned the cliff between Dawson Knox and. A significant drop is how he termed it um, between Dawson Knox and the next best player at tight end, which which also kind of said, "Hey, we were drafting for need." That's a little was, bit. That's what I was going to say. Bit. Is that 
you know, people listen to these press conferences and maybe they think we're out of our minds for some of the things that, you know, we hear, but I don't think they're always being completely honest, but I think sometimes accidentally they say things that reveal a little bit about themselves. Yeah. And I think that to me was, yeah, we're worried. So the thing with Cody Ford is, all right, cool. You had a first round grade on him. I don't know what the grade was on Dalton Reisner or whatever, but the whole best player available thing is, yes, he's the best player available, but you also really wanted an offensive lineman. I think some of the best mm-hmm. teams, or at least when you go back and look and you think, wow, these guys had a good draft, a lot of the times it's the guys that the teams that just let it come to them or trade back and they have extra picks. Now, I don't mind the Dawson Knox trade because I've said all along, try to get yourself as many picks in the first three rounds and don't worry about those picks on day three. But by getting rid of the fifth to move up two spots, it it's an opportunity cost thing. Now you can't do something else with that fifth. And the other thing that you can do with the fourth through seventh picks is trade them for future picks, which you see a lot of savvy teams do. Trade a four for a future three or a five for a future four. And then next year you've got a four, another mm-hmm. four. And it it's long term and it it stacks on itself and it's hard to see in the moment but the trading up the itchy trigger trigger finger to trade up the only trade down we've seen is sean mcdermott the sean mcdermott the big one which was a big humongous screw up as it turned out because patrick mahomes was on the board so i mean it's not to say that one way or the other is 100 percent right but what we're seeing is that they will trade up yes and they will do it a lot. I will. I will say, the one thing that compels me to be interested in tomorrow, besides the players going off the board, is if Brandon Bean approaches it the way that you just you just mentioned about whether or not he starts trying to deal for future picks. Because now, I mean, last year was a bit of a bad example, just because they, unless you really stunk it up you were going to make the 53-man roster. They just didn't have talent last year. And the only the only one that didn't make the roster was Austin Prohl because he stunk it up, and, and he was one of the first ones cut. Um, but now, this year, they have a roster, and they have guys that they want on their 53. And the odds that this 5th, 6th, or 7th round player is going to make the team, not all that great. Um, so, because of that, or the two sevenths, I should say, so let's see what they do with it. Let's see if they they try and move those for for a future like the five for a future four, the six for a future five, or if they do it the opposite way and Bean tries to package those picks together to move into the fourth round. I mean that's that we're gonna see exactly what he's all about, or will he just stand pat and say, Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna pick whoever's the best there rather than that rather than having the foresight to do what you're talking about. Because we're, that's we're, the, learning, we're learning about him. That's the, the thing about, on the surface, I think, oh, two fours for a three is fine. Two fours for a three, that's number 96, when you were picking 112, well, is Dawson... And that's where, you know, again, the hint was there was a big drop-off at tight end. And that's why I asked that question. It was like, well, what did the wide receiver board look like? Yeah. And he kind of just, he said what you would expect him to say. And I love the caveat of, 
all these guys were the best guys on our board. I was like, I know they were. Of course they were. You're yeah, gonna say that, that every pick you ever make for your entire career will be the best player on your board, yes. and as it will be for the other 31 general managers. But to say that little bit about the tight end, oh, there was a big drop off at tight end. Oh, so you had to get a tight end. Yeah, right. You couldn't sit and wait until one twelve and see. For all we know, Kelvin Harmon's going to be there at one twelve. Kelvin Harmon or Dawson Knox. We're talking about pass catchers. You know, they're not totally interchangeable parts. But but the tight end is they, fairly. They did need a tight end. No, but they the tight end is also fairly important to and having multiple tight ends is fairly important to what Brian Dable wants to do. So they needed a tight end, and he kind of showed his hand a little bit that they wanted to add a tight end within the first three or four rounds in this draft. And because of it, they felt like, okay, let's go get Dawson Knox because he can he can block. He can be our second tight end and maybe develops into something as opposed to sitting there. Did Foster there and, Moreau go? No, nah, he's, he's been a day three guy all I the thought, way. I thought, see, like, to me, I don't know. Again, that's why I say, like, is Cody Ford a better player than Dalton Reisner? Yes, I think he is. Yeah, I think so, Is too. he... But is it okay to let the board come to you and just take Dalton Reisner? I think they would have been very happy with Dalton Reisner. I think Bills fans would have. He's offensive line Harrison Phillips, basically. I, w- I wonder, though, if they thought to themselves, Cody Ford is, we have a first-round grade on him. Dalton Reisner, we have a second-round grade on him. It is Significant enough to be worth is, a fifth-round yeah, pick. Yeah, I now think, you have I think to, that's probably the justification. I wonder how they quantify that, because it seems like there's a lot of, gut feel to it at oh times. absolutely there but is. instead perhaps there should be a cody ford is 21 on our board so let's value him at the 21st pick in the draft that's probably how they do it you would hope that there's some sort of way to quantify it other than we need to have cody ford yeah um but so that we learned things i think and yes. we'll learn more things tomorrow and you know we'll finally have two full draft classes to judge Brandon Bean on, which still is a small sample size, but it's information that is valuable mm-hmm. heading into future drafts and future roster building decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to do it for us th- this time around. Uh, the next time we will speak with you will either be Monday or Tuesday of, uh, of next week. The draft will be wrapped up. Uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott uh, will go through their final press conference. They'll uh, start adding their undrafted free agents. Um, so we will speak with you early in the week uh, just to maximize how much time you guys can listen to this one so we don't bog you down too much. Um, and on that podcast, we will announce the winner of the jerseys. That's um, right. Because... Uh, did that. Yes, yeah. So I, I have the, the names of the, of the uh, people that got the guesses cor- correct... Um, before the leaks came out, had to, had to shut it down once the leaks came out. I mean, I'm sure you guys understand. I had two favorite things. One was the people who were putting in the guesses after, after the leaks, <laughs> the leaks came, came out, the out. correct guesses, and yes. trying to do it, you know, real smooth. Yeah. And it was like, well, we saw the leaks, and it yeah. was like, oh, my oh. bad. <laughs> Th- thought I could sneak that in there. But my, more than that, my favorite thing was we had some people bless their hearts putting in guesses after the leaks came in and getting them wrong. Yeah. But you know what? They were they were giving it the old college try. And I and, appreciate and it. And good on them. All right. Well, we'll we'll announce that winner. We'll we'll draw it on uh, on the podcast live. How about that? 
so yeah, that's when we will speak with you next. The Bills have four new players. Their draft class is basically written in stone. Um, just a few more late round guys to add. Will they actually make an impact? Maybe they get a Matt Milano, who knows? Um, but we shall see. So uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of the Bills Beat, and we'll talk to you early next week. See you then.